0: Up, kings and queens, thank you guys for tuning in to the whole story Sundays again and again. I would like to introduce myself as your host, the holistic one. Yes, guys, thank you for coming back to join us on another journey and cruise to the healing ship. You guys, like it is so important to be in the healing ship and on the healing ship. So, basically. Um, I just want to start off before I introduce the topic um by you know explaining to you guys again what the healing ship is um first of all, we all know that it's multifaceted or for those of you who do not know because you were not um on the last podcast, The Healing Ship is pretty much where you have a team of people holding you accountable. You have a team of people making sure that, you know, um, your journey to wholeness is is filled with accountability. Um, we are going to work together to link up to make sure everybody is strong. To make sure that there is no weak links, but weak links because we're all holding each other accountable and we're all making sure that everybody has what they need in terms of wholeness. So that's fine, body and soul. However, the other part of the healing ship is been in a relationship with healing and becoming whole. So many of us are in relationships with everything other than ourselves. Um, and no one knows you better than you know yourself other than God. So it is very important to make sure that you are becoming whole on each level, and that you are in a relationship to become whole. Um, Yep, so you're in a relationship with yourself to figure out what those past traumas are, are, what those past rejection is and are, to figure out how you can get back to loving yourself up and filling your cup up. So with that being stated, I'm gonna go on ahead and introduce the topic today or tonight. (laughs) So tonight we're gonna be talking about the wholeness deficit. And um, the reason why we call it a deficit is because, well, what does it mean to be in a deficit? It means that you're lacking something that you need and it's typically something very essential. So, you know, if the economy is in a deficit, it's lacking money, it's lacking resources that, you know, It needs to make sure that the economy is thriving and booming. But what happens when you're in a wholeness deficit? Well, guys, when you're in a wholeness deficit, it typically means that you don't have your essentials meaning you're not whole on all levels mind body and soul and y'all know i'm gonna keep preaching that because y'all know how i feel about being whole on each and every single level mind body and soul so with that being stated the wholeness deficit um is when we're trying to give someone something that we don't even have for ourselves. And because we're in a deficit, we're also trying to fill voids, but we can't because guess what? You know, you can never be happy until you're, you're healed. I'm a firm believer in that. So I'm going to start off with my analogy. So let's imagine we had a cup. And in the cup, what we had was no water in it nothing in it and then let's imagine boom another cup appeared and when this other cup appears what you will then find and see is that this other cup either has a lot of water in it or has no water in it but for the sake of this particular portion i'm going to say that both of the cups do not have any water in it so you're trying to pour into your lover or your significant others or your kids or your best friend's cup without any water in it. And because your cup is empty, you're trying to give them water, but you can't because you don't have any water because you're in a deficit. Then your lover or your kids or whoever, who you love in your life is trying to do the same for you, but they can't give you anything because why? They don't have any water in their cup either. You see what I'm saying? So with that being stated, um, as cliche as it sounds, we cannot pour from an empty cup. That's the reason why I'm calling it the empty cup syndrome, because when you're trying to get water out of a cactus or when you're trying to, you know, get something from from nothing, then you're going to get nothing. <laughs> it's nearly impossible to try to pull from something you couldn't even pull from your bank account if your bank account didn't have any money in it that means that you're therefore in a deficit so that's kind of why we're going to call this topic the self-worth deficit not a self-worth deficit i'm sorry the wholeness deficit because You know, if you don't even care for yourself on all levels, if you don't care for yourself on mind, if you don't care for yourself on body, if you don't care for yourself on soul, how are you about to try to give someone love? Or what you're going to really be doing is giving them a false pretense or a facade of love. But it's not going to be real love because you can't even foster that own, that love for yourself. So with that being stated, guys, I'm going to go on ahead and get into the scripture portion. And then we're going to just go on ahead and jump right into this cast. OK, well, we're already into it, but we're going to go deeper into it. So first of all, I'm coming from first. Corinthians 13 um and I'm just going to read it all the way down from 1 to 13 so it says though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity I am become as a sounding brass or a thinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to the burn and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Charity suffers long and it is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaults of not itself. It is not puffed up though. Do, it does not behave itself unseemly seek of not her own and it is not easily provoked Think of no evil, rejoice of not in iniquity, but rejoice of in the truth. Bear of all things, believe all things, hope of all things, endureth all things. Charity never felleth, but, no, but whether there be prophecies, there shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part that we prophesy in part, but we... But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then to face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also I am known. And now about a faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. So, um, in the scripture, he's basically discussing how, um, pretty much love pretty much overrules everything. Um, it trumps all things. He, that's the reason why when he started this, the scripture off, you know, the apostle Paul pretty much talked about, you can speak in tongues, you can prophesy, you can do all of those great things. But the reality of the situation is it'll, it'll sound like a bad instrument, which is the brass or tinkle and symbol because um the reality of the situation is it would be called empty wagons make the mo- most noise how are you about to you know prophesy speak in tongues and do all this great stuff but when it comes to loving someone like, you can't even do it that means nothing to god because the reality of the situation is you're you're not operating in his will when you're not first of all and and before all things operating in love, which is better, which in this portion of the, of scripture, they call it charity. But then, um, you know, one thing that kind of stood out to me or one way that, you know, God kind of showed me was that charity or love, we always think about the love that we can give other people but we never think about the love that we need to give ourselves we never think about showing our own self grace but we can hop into a relationship or hop into a companionship with another person and give them all the grace that we mysteriously just forget to give ourselves. And so this scripture to me it it says charity. It doesn't say the love that you have for other people. It doesn't even necessarily say the love that you have for yourself. It just says love. And a part of loving someone else is making sure that you can love yourself. And that's kind of how I feel about the empty cup syndrome. It's trying to, you don't even have any water in your cup, but you get, you're still trying to pour some water into somebody else's cup. And, and that's kind of how it is. Like, how are you going to give another person love and you don't even love yourself? That's why I say it's going to always be a false pretense or a facade uh, with, with the love that you're giving that person into so you love yourself. So now that we have kind of discussed that, I am going to go on ahead and get into the signs that you are in a wholeness deficit. So first of all, guys, the first sign um, is codependency. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go on ahead and give you guys a um, definition. um, And then I'm going to expound on pretty much decides that you're a codependent person. So according to Merriam-Webster, um, a codependent person or codependency is a psychological condition or a relationship in which a person is controlled or manipulated by another who is affected with a pathological condition such as an addiction to alcohol or heroin. Or you guys, it could also be a person who, they can be controlled by another person who was manipulated or in mental health, we like to call it a narcissist. So guys, first of all, Let me just pretty much kind of like expound on this. Um, Well, first of all, I got some of my signs from psychology today, but I am also very aware of the topic as well. So one of the first signs is making extreme sacrifices for people at the risk of your own well-being, mental health, and priorities. Well, here's how I feel about this, guys. The reality of the situation is that, people who suffer with codependency, they will often go out of their way to please whoever they're with or whoever they're they're having the codependency issue for or with at the risk of their own well-being or health. So an example of this would be Uh, a person who's in a relationship with a narcissist. And if that narcissist says, you know, Hey babe, um, I came up a little short on my finances and I want to finance this, you know, let's just say, we'll just say addiction just because it comes to mind faster. Um, because you know, I want to go out and gamble. I want to go out and, you know, um, win some money, and instead of the codependent person saying, you know, this gambling problem is causing you a world of issues. And this is the reason why we're in financial debt the financial debt at the moment. Anyway, is because, you know, of you and your um, and your gambling addiction, the codependent person will say, you know, Well, he's been through a lot or she's been through a lot. Um, They did lose their dad. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to help them out because if I don't help them out, then they're going to self-harm or they're going to take to drinking again, or they're going to, you know, go into a depressive stupor. So what a codependent person does is they enable a narcissist or manipulating person because they are afraid of being alone. So what they'll do is they will give their significant other or their child, you know, um five grand to go splurge on their addiction issue. You know, it they'll they'll even, you know, sacrifice their sleep, their rest to appease the narcissist, or the manipulator. Um, codependents have a hard time with keeping and setting boundaries. So therefore, because they have such a hard time with keeping and setting boundaries, they will put themselves in extreme positions where they're forced to make extreme sacrifices because making extreme um, sacrifices, even at the risk of your own mental health, well being, and priorities, is a lot easier than being alone. Um, another sign of a person who is struggling with codependency is a person who's constantly worrying about others' opinions. So, one thing I've noticed about most codependents, and you know, I'm not gonna lie, I was even that codependent person myself in the past, is that you find yourself um, constantly worry and having anxiety about what people think of you. Um, you want to make a good impression. You worry about if a person likes you, you're almost fixated on how a person perceives you. And the reality of the situation is, um, nobody is going to ever fully like us, guys. Um, I hate to say it like this, but it's just the truth. And, you know, some people, are not going to just dislike you because you are a mean person to be around some people are just going to dislike you because of the vibe that you carry some people are going to dislike you because you have a certain aura and swag or way about yourself and they don't like it because they don't even like themselves and the thing about a person who has codependency issues they find themselves in a spin cycle and always willing to people please because it's so hard to say no so instead of saying no they'll say yes even if they begin to resent the person who they're always saying yes to or even if they are tired and they're sleep deprived they're going to say yeah I'll pick you up at three o'clock in the morning um, to go to work even though I just want to sleep at 12 because the kids was up all night but at the same time if I say no you'll feel like I'm not needed and you will rather not be bothered with me so Codependents have a hard time with wanting to be like so much to a point where they they don't even understand that it's imperative and it's important to make sure that, you know, you're taking care of yourself. But how can you take care of yourself if you are so worried about what people say and what people think? So um, the last thing is avoiding arguments. So the thing about people who are codependent is it go back to that people pleasing thing where um they could really be upset about something um but because they're so passive it's easier for them to avoid an argument and just agree to agree, I can't say agree to disagree because agreeing to disagree is having your opinion, the other person having theirs, and you guys going on about your life. but the problem is is that with people who are codependent is that they don't like to argue, they don't like confrontation again, they like to be light, they like to they're 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 servers they're people who like to serve you they are people who could possibly even serve you to the point of it being enablement so because of that um even if they do feel a type of way about something that you said or did they're never going to tell you because it's too difficult to address the conflict or they're going to just say you know what That's just how he is. That's just how she is. She doesn't mean any harm. She doesn't mean anything by it. He doesn't mean it. That's just how he grew up. He was never taught to love. And the reality of the situation is you're not setting much of an example because instead of saying, hey, I don't want to be treated like this. Or when you said that, that hurt my feelings. You are provoking that person who is the more dominant personality to treat you. As if you're not there, or as if your feelings are discounted and your feelings should never be at the discount price. Um, another thing though, guys, that I want to kind of point out about um, people who are codependent is that let's assume that the codependent has the fuller cup, which is typically how it is. Then the narcissist would be the person who has an empty cup or perceived empty cup because A codependent narcissistic or a codependent manipulating relationship is almost always one-sided. Most codependent relationships, um, they feel as if they're in control because they have the resources. So they have the love, they have the money, they have, you know, the... The drive and the ambition to go out and make the money for the work they have the the time the support this so they feel that they're in control but the reality of the situation is they're not in control because you're not in control when you are allowing yourself to sleep deeper and deeper and deeper into and a deficit to so that you can be in a relationship even if, if you're so afraid of being alone you're so afraid of not being light you're so afraid of of conflict that you put yourself at risk. And I know you feel like you're in control because you have the most. So you perceive, but the reality of the situation is you won't have it for long because you're giving it all away and you're not guarding your heart. Um The scripture that I want to utilize to back this stuff up, guys, is Matthew 6 and 33. And it says, but seek first his kingdom and all his righteousness and all things will be given to you as well. So basically, um, you know, a person who is codependent is missing something that they needed as a child or that they just needed in their life that they never saw. Um, Most, most of the time with people who are codependent, um, they never was really validated. So the lack of validation makes them feel as if they need they need love and they need support. And sometimes they're willing to, you know, make the ultimate sacrifices just to get that love and support that they want and need. Um so now I'm going to go on ahead and go on to the next Um, sign that you are definitely in a wholeness deficit and that is self-sabotaging so again according to psychology today which seems to be the most popular reference of the day it says that behavior is self-sabotaging when it creates problems in daily life and interferes with long-standing goals so Guys, we'll be surprised how many of us self-sabotage. I was under the impression that self-sabotaging was something so grand and the idea of it was so grand that um, I couldn't possibly do it. But believe it or not, most of us do it. And the sad part about it is most of us do it without even realizing it. So one sign that you are definitely a self-sabotager is that you procrastinate. Procrastination is actually one of the biggest signs because um, procrastination will keep you from either doing your best work or it would keep you from not making your goal at all because you waited too late to tackle it. So um, an example of me procrastinating in my own personal life was, you know, being in college, I have plenty of papers that I have to turn in and projects and things of that nature. But most times I'm starting it in a crunch period. And when I'm starting that um, assignment in a crunch period, I'm noticing that I'm so stressed and I'm so frustrated that I you know, in the past would get so tired of it and what I would do is I would just say, Forget it, shut my laptop and miss the due date. And the reality of the situation is I was so avoidant and so frustrated that I didn't even care about missing a due date. I just wanted relief or to feel like I was relieved. When really in the back of my mind, I always knew that I was going to regret not turning in my assignment on time and furthermore, not even starting it in a decent time manner. So most people who procrastinate, you know, they Don't steward their time well. And the reality of the situation is, you know, God is a steward, and and we think of steward, we think of money, we think of, you know, finances. But no steward could be how do you steward your gifts and talents? Like, do you utilize them, or how do you steward your time? Are you making sure that while you're procrastinating, you're not, you know, failing to go to the gym? Are you making sure that while you're procrastinating, you're not failing to start working on your book or your business plan? Are you making sure that while you're procrastinating, you're not going to therapy when you really know that you've been through some deep trauma that, you know, could really take you out. But instead, what you're doing is you're utilizing that time on the phone. I know I'm speaking to someone because me personally, I've been through it. So I know how it feels and I know how easy it is to fall in that downward spiral of avoiding a task for as long as you possibly could. And then when you get frustrated enough, you start it, but you don't do your best work because at that point it's crunch time. So another sign that you guys are self-sabotaging or a person is self-sabotaging and all signs that I've experienced before is self-medication or self-medicating. So when people think of self-medicating, I think they're thinking of like rappers who sip lean and pop Percocets and all that stuff like that. And get this gas, that is also a part of self-medicating because self-medicating could mean substance abuse as well. But also self-medicating is going shopping not really having the money in your, in your, um, bank account, but still deciding to go shopping, even though, you know, you don't have the money like that. Um, it could also be that you are, you know, um, are eating to fill a void. So I know, you know, if you are an emotional eater, the last thing you want to do is eat to fill a void because what you will then do is find yourself becoming overweight. Um, and not even just that, like once you're not eating, you don't, you still find that you don't feel better. So what do you do? You go back to eating more. And then all of a sudden, boom, now you're experiencing weight gain. And that weight gain is starting to play a role on your self-esteem. And your self-esteem is starting to play a role on your mental health. Because now again, you're depressed and it's just an endless cycle of never being able to get out of that trap of self-sabotaging. And how you how you deal with um self-medicating is finding a coping skill that would be healthy so instead of eating food you know or you know resorting to the most unhealthiest meal maybe resort to a healthy snack or maybe go for a walk or maybe you know pick up your journal or even will yourself to start working on that business plan even though that's not what you want to do that will take your mind off of your feelings of defeat or you know, your feelings of wanting to self-sabotage. So another form of, um, a self-medic, I mean, I'm sorry, a self-sabotage is also, guys, believe it or not, self-injurious behavior, such as cutting, um, why cutting, um, or self-injurious behavior is a form of self-sabotage is because how are you going to be able to get to your goal, if you are not taking care of your temple, um, I know that sounds very cliche, but it's not because when you're cutting yourself, um, it's something you're doing that to get yourself some relief. Um, it's another way of filling a void, it's another way of communicating pain, but it's hard to communicate pain. So, what you find people who cut who cut will do instead is they will inflict that pain on themselves and to be completely honest with you guys most people who self-meditate or medicate I don't know why I keep saying meditate most people who self-medicate inflict pain on themselves anyway their pain is self-inflicted because why because they will utilize their bill money to go shopping they will utilize drugs to fill a void they will you know um eat Eat uncontrollably and feel bad about it afterwards, but because they are so defeated, because they're telling themselves they're defeated, because they feel defeated, it doesn't stop. And it's the same with, you know, cutting yourself. You know, when you're afflicting that pain on yourself, you're, believe it or not, because you are the one who is harming yourself, you're telling yourself without telling yourself, I don't love me. I don't care about this temple. I don't care what happens to me because the reality of the situation is... Um, I have a low self image or, or I value myself at, at very lowly anyway. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I feel about that. Um and I do know that, you know, when it comes to self-sabotaging, um, you might want to check your subconscious because what you're subconsciously doing or telling yourself is why you're self-sabotaging. Now, also keeping this in mind, guys, that everything is a spirit. Um, a good spirit or a bad spirit, it is a spirit. And if you fall victim to the self-sabotaging spirit, you will become a self-sabotager if that makes sense so with that being said to you guys i want to go on ahead and give you guys a scriptural base um to back up pretty much what i just said um about the self-sabotaging so it is um john 10 and 10 and it says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy i come that you may have life and have it more abundantly um Basically, guys, when you are a self sabotager, when you are procrastinating, you're not able to make your goals because you're not meeting deadlines. And most goal oriented people are able to obtain their goals because you know why? Because they understand the value and the importance of deadlines. When you're self medicating and you have a weight loss goal, how are you going to be able to obtain your weight loss goal if you are not going to the gym? If you say, hey, I want to lose 20 pounds in three months, you're not going to be able to lose you know that in that in that time frame because you know why? You are not going above and beyond and make sure you're doing everything that you could possibly do to make sure that you are okay. So I said that to say, guys, it is important that it is, guys, I'm so sorry. It is important to make sure, I'm so sorry. It is important to make sure that you are going above and beyond to ensure that you are doing what you're supposed to do to make sure that you're not self-sabotaging. And self-sabotaging is pretty much, you know, it's going to take away from you having an abundant life. Because again, like I said, a part of having an abundant life is making sure you're having a quality of life. If your health is not good, because you are self-medicating or you're utilizing substances, then of course you're not having an abundance of life. That's the reason why you see celebrities who, you know, have all the money in the world. And yeah, they might be financially abundant, but you know, they kill themselves. So they didn't even get to live out the full term or the, for the duration of their life. That is the reason why you see, um, celebrities who, you know, go bankrupt because yeah, they had all of their money, but they're, they are, they were not good stewards of their money. Um, it's one thing to have a lot, but it's another thing to keep a lot. So self-sabotaging keeps you in cycles that make it hard to keep anything because why? You're self-sabotaging. The devil is a thief. So when he is a thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he will do that. And he knows your patterns better than you know them yourself. So that's the reason why if you see yourself doing any of these things, start working on it. We on a healing ship send your send me your send me emails for advice um do whatever you have to do to become whole go to therapy start going to the gym do whatever you have to do to become whole because our goal is to have an abundant life so guys the next thing that i would like to discuss and talk about is um self-worth and we're going to go into all of that right now so basically Having a low self-worth is a big part of wholeness because most people who are whole know where they're valued at and why they are valuable. Um, So let's go to what the definition of a low of self-worth is. So self-worth is a sense of one's own value as a human being. Um, I forgot the right the reference down but i'm almost positive i got this from marion webster um but let's just say this a lot of people have a high self-esteem but not enough people have a high self-worth so okay here's how this works if you go get your nails done if you go get your feet done if you get a haircut and it's looking flat if you buy you a nice new car and you are cruising the city and you feeling yourself then i can guarantee you that day your self-esteem is high because you know why because you have more than enough you look great you're feeling great boom the problem is is that you having a high self-esteem isn't going to attract you necessarily to a person who knows your worth or a person who does not, who does have a, a high self-esteem also. You might attract a person with a low self-esteem and a low self-worth. Um, I'm just saying that to say it. But basically how that works is that um, your low self-esteem could still, it, you know, land you in that relationship with the person who does not value you. And you know that by how they treat you. You know that by how they treat you as if you are disposable or as if another one of you is going to come back around. Guys, everyone is not replaceable. Some people are irreplaceable. But the main thing is that you have to be so assure that you are worthy and that your worth is so high that they know that that they, they want to treat you right because they know that you're a prized possession. So let me break this down some. The reality of the situation is, guys, is that we treat people how to teach people how to treat us. We talked about the house analogy last week, and we were basically just discussing how a house can be so grand and beautiful on the outside. You know, we could get our hair done, we can get our nails done and do all of these great things for ourselves. But what happens is when a person comes into our house, they see that our house is a mess and they see that we're not even taking care of our own house. So that means we're not even... We don't even feel that we're worthy of having a nice inside people. If they see that when they come in your house, they have to take off their shoes. If they see that, you know, the coats are hung up nicely and properly in the coat closet, they see that your house smells great, that it looks great. What they're going to do is they're going to be very respectful towards your house. But if people notice that you, you know, have you know, dirty clothes everywhere, that you haven't took out the trash in days, that the dishes are piled up to the top of the roof, then what they're gonna do is eventually, they may not do it right away, but eventually you'll notice that they're only treating your house the same way that you treated yourself. So that's the reason why we have to be very, very careful about, you know, how we come off. Like, okay, It's one thing to take pride in yourself in a way that you look on the outside, but just make sure that your inside is good enough that other people are going to make sure that they're going to take care of you as well. Never allow a person to see that you don't even take care of yourself. So that's the reason why they're not going to take care of you as well. So for instance, you know, if you have a guy and he is, Verbally abusive or emotionally abusive if you have a female who is only treating you as if you're good enough for a bank card then it's because somewhere along the lines, you've presented that to her. You presented that to him. They saw that you act this way. They perceive you in that light. So what they're going to do is they're going to give you what you put out. So that's why it is so imperative and important to make sure that we are making sure that we are whole. That is why it's important to make sure that you're not pouring from an empty cup. While it's also important to make sure that you're not the only one with the the full cup while the other person is is doesn't have anything in their cup, and they're trying to take all of your worth. um also guys, make sure that the inside of your house is clean because that's what having a self worth is having a high self worth is not just caring not only paying attention to your outside but fell into neglect the the inside as well um too many of us are allowing people to treat us as if we are. A HM purse when we're really a Chanel bag. Too many of us are allowing ourselves to be treated as if we are dollar menu items instead of filet mignon and we are not five star restaurants. Even though a H&M bag is cute, even though a Dollar Tree, I mean, a um, McDonald's fry is good. People are never going to value it because you know why it's cheap. You want to make sure that you're the most exclusive thing on the block. And being exclusive means being valued. Nobody is going to treat a an H and m bag the way that they're going to treat a Chanel or a Louis Vuitton purse. You guys, so we have to make sure that we are aware of that and we have to make sure that When we notice it, we're dealing with this spirit because having a low self-esteem or worth is the spirit. If God says that he made us to be um, beautifully and wonderfully made, we have to believe that. And that scripture is actually Psalms 139, 14, where it says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully complex. Your words are so wonderful. I know that full well. So if that's what God says about us, we have to believe it and we don't believe it when we allow a person to treat us as if we're nothing just because, first of all, how we treat ourselves, but then second of all, because of having a low self-worth. Um, I always say that when you have high self-esteem without low self-worth, without a high self-worth, you can have a high self-esteem, great. But if your self-worth is low, the reality of the situation is you're just going to be a dressed up trash can. You look great on the outside, but on the inside, you are a mess. You're going to be like that $500,000 house that your realtor showed you that we talked about last week. Your outside is perfect your yarn, your lawn is manicured to perfection but the inside of your house needs a whole lot of work and that's what wholeness is guys it's not going to happen overnight it will take time but the reality of the situation is if we try if we give it our all then guess what we can obtain that goal and even though it's hard we can definitely do it so guys I just want to thank you all for tuning in to this episode of The Whole Story Sundays where we discuss the wholeness deficit and the signs that you are not whole. So I look forward to seeing you guys not next Sunday but the Sunday after and thank you so much for all the love and the support. Have a blessed day.